All right. So this morning, first I want to welcome everyone on the live stream this morning. Uh, thank you for being here with us. And uh, today's message I've titled, Run, Don't Walk. And it's so important this morning, I want to impress upon you that there's so many areas of our lives where we're holding back, where we're giving less than, where we're just sort of walking through life, wandering, where am I going next? Well, we'll see, I guess. You know, if the Lord wants it, then maybe it'll happen. We can't live a passive Christian life. It's not possible. You will die on the vine. You will be neutralized. You will be a bench sitter if you are living a passive Christian life. And I'm speaking that out of rawness and out of truth because that is something that I have to battle every day. Every day the enemy wants to push me and just neutralize me to get me to just, oh, I'm just going to stay in bed today. Oh, I'm just going to go about my business. I'm not going to focus on the Lord. I'm not going to worship extravagantly, all those things. And I want to encourage you this morning, the Lord has just put a fire in me that we cannot be passive anymore, that we have to run, not walk. All right. And so I'm going to start out with this verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, to just kind of get us kicked off. And it says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Next verse. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. And so as we get going, we're going to camp out in Genesis today, and I'm going to be talking about the life of Joseph. I'm not talking about Joseph, Jesus' uh, stepdad. I'm talking about Joseph, the son of Jacob. And many of you are like, I've heard that before. I've heard that in children's church. Just bear with me. Perhaps you've heard the story before, but you've not heard it put into this kind of context before. And so let me just give you a, a little bit of an overview and a background. It's important to see where Joseph came from, the setup, because what I'm doing this morning, what the Lord has led me to do, is to show you Joseph's life and mirror it to our own. And oftentimes we, th we put people in the Bible on a pedestal, or we think that was so long ago, what does that have to do with me, that has... And that's not here nor there. I'm living here in the 21st century. That was thousands of years ago. Let me just tell you, it's as true then as it is today. So we've got computers and things like that. I'm telling you how people are and how they are then and how they are today, it's the same. So Joseph came from a messed up family. How many of us have been like, man, I, you know, my family has got it. How many of you have gotten almost into those arguments? No, my family is way messed up than your family is. You know, so often we kind of get into those silly things. But let me just tell you, Joseph's father was Jacob, a.k.a. Israel. He became Israel later in life. And Jacob, the Lord called him to be a father of the 12 tribes of Israel and so you'd think, man, this must be some really awesome rocking guy, right? 
he must just be really set up to have the honor of being the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's what I thought too. And then I start to read about Jacob and I'm like, this guy is messed up. First of all, he's like swindler con man. Just throughout his life, he stole the birthright from his brother Esau. He got the blessing by pretending to be Esau from his father. All sorts of things go on. And, and then guess what? What happens is when you behave that way, it comes, back, whoa, it comes back around to you. And what happened is, is he wanted to marry this woman, Rebecca. He worked seven years to get the uh, blessing of marrying her and instead ends up getting married to, this, to her older sister, Leah. And then he ends up marrying her later. So that's already crazy. Now we've got two wives. And then a competition starts going on between the two of them. They're both, you know, at war with each other for Joseph's affection, or for Jacob's affections. And, uh, and so Rebecca can't seem to conceive, and so she says, well, sleep with my servant. And so he sleeps with uh, her servant, and then Leah's like, well, then if she's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And so we have this guy who's married, two wives, two mistresses, prompted by his two wives, and then a whole bunch of children come out of that that uh, start the foundation of the 12 tribes of Israel. I don't know about you, but if that's not a definition of a jacked-up family background, then I don't know what is. I can only imagine the family tree and the dynamics and, you know, Thank the Lord they did not have Christmas or Thanksgiving by that point. And so, moving on to Joseph. Now we're in Genesis 37, and we fast forward to Joseph. He's the youngest son of Jacob, 17 years old. He's a shepherd. All right, and to kind of put you in context, I said this last service, shepherd, like your first job that you get anywhere at fast food restaurant at McDonald's or anywhere. It's sort of the like base level. It's where you start out to, to get where you need to go, get an experience. And so uh, Joseph's a shepherd, 17 years old, and Israel, a.k.a. Jacob. I say that because we think of Israel, the country, a lot more than we do the person. But Jacob loved Joseph more than all his other sons, the Bible says. So much so that he gave him a multicolored coat. And it's funny, we kind of get this really backwards in sometimes in our teaching the children and, and different things in church. We make a big deal out of the coat like it's some awesome thing. Like it's, you know, check out Joseph and his coat. We have the little figures with let's put the coat on him and all that stuff. The coat's not good. The coat represents a really jacked-up family background. It, it, first of all, Joseph's the youngest, and in that family, in the culture back then, it was the oldest that was of the place of honor. It was the oldest that was to receive the inheritance. And we're, we're, now we've got a literal visual walking around example of this coat on Joseph. And you've got to know that, that that's an ego trip right there. You got to know that you're walking around. I don't know how many of you are younger siblings, but man, oh man, if you could just, you got the coat on, you're like, you're older than me, but look what dad gave me. 
check this out. The garments were not cheap back then. That was some, that was an expensive, extravagant gift. Imagine if you're, you're in a family of siblings and your dad gives you the Armani suit or the, I don't know what kind of dress is out there, but something that is just, I don't know the designers or whatever, but imagine everyone else is dressed in their regular clothes and you're strutting around in the Armani suit at, you know, whatever family gatherings or whatever, and, you know, people are looking at you like, what is this guy's deal? And I can only imagine all the angry looks and all the stuff going on among the brothers that are like, this guy over here, this guy, you know, I just, I can't even deal with him right now. And so then on top of that, he's got this gift of dreams. Before I dive into that, I just want to let you know, there are things that happen that the Lord works with because he works with us where we're at. But that doesn't mean he approves of it. Just because he doesn't dive in there and say, no, none of that, none of that, none of that. There's plenty of times where he's walking with you in the midst of your mess and he's guiding you where you need to go because he's got grace for it. Romans 2 verse 11, it says, for there is no partiality with God. Now, just to, for you context people, I don't want to freak out with such a small verse. Uh, it, that's being discussed in the context of the Jews and the Gentiles, but it fits in this situation. It's, a, it's an understanding of a character trait with God. Is Although there are people that, that God will entrust, and you're like, why is he entrusting them but not me? Let me give you an example. If I decided to give Angelica a million dollars, I said, Angelica, I'm going to put this million dollars in a, in a chest, and I'm going to go bury it in Cole Park. It's there. I'm going to give you the map. No one else knows about it. And then Andres, I'm also going to give you a million dollars. I'm going to put it in a chest. I'm going to go bury it downtown, and I'm going to give you a map to that. So if you say, yes, if Angelica just jumps up, yes, I cannot wait, and she rushes to Cole Park, but Andres kind of forgets about it or doesn't really think I'm pulling his leg, doesn't really buy into it, have I blessed Angelica more than I've blessed Andres? No, but she believed in it, went after it, and received it. And so often we get jealous of what's going on in other people's lives and we realize we're equally as blessed. But are you going after it in the fervor and the desire and the passion the way they are? And so I want to encourage you, there's no partiality with God. He's no respecter of persons. We're not on an uneven playing field. And so Joseph's walking around in the coat. It doesn't say his mindset or his mentality in the Bible very rarely does, does uh, the Bible shed light on those sorts of things? And I try to be careful on supposing, but it's fun to be fascinated with the Word and to wonder what was going on. But I, what we do know, as, as I talk later about Joseph, is he wasn't a dummy. He was a very intelligent individual. So I imagine he, could, he was either ignorant to the fact that this coat, you know, really made him look puffed up, or he was probably pretty arrogant, pretty like, you know, check me out. And then, and where we can look at this is the dreams. 
Joseph starts to get these powerful dreams. And in the dreams, uh, he has several of them. I don't have time to go into the depths of the dreams. But what happens with him is the dreams look like they're interpreting that he is going to rule over his family. You can imagine how that went over when he decided. And it, it, it seems like he was excited about it. Guys, I had the most awesome dream. I cannot wait to tell you about it. I'm going to rule over all of you guys. If they didn't hate him before, they definitely hated him now. In fact, they hated him so much hearing about these dreams and about the coat. They're like, I'm just tired of his act. I'm over him. He's a shepherd. He's 17. He's the youngest of all of us. Who does he think he is? And so the brothers start to conspire to kill Joseph. So they get together, they throw him in a pit, and if it wasn't for his brother Reuben, they would have gone fully through with it. But ultimately, they decide to sell him to some Ishmaelite traders. And uh, for you uh, Bible nerds out there, go check out the connection with the Ishmaelites and with Jacob, and you look a few uh, generations back, and it's a really fascinating connection there that they, he just happened to be sold to Ishmaelite traders. But he is sold to Ishmaelite traders and becomes a slave. Now, what I like to think about is what was that camel ride to Egypt like? You've puffed yourself up. You've been full of pride. You think you're all that. Not with the help of your family, especially your dad, who's told you you're all that. And he's on this ride. Wow, how far have I fallen to the, the most favored one in my house among my father to now I'm on a camel, probably tied up, on my way to Egypt as a slave. And so we follow along with Joseph, and he's bought by the captain of the guard, Potiphar, to serve in his house. And we start off in Genesis 39, and I'm going to scoot over to verse 3. And in verse 3, if you just pop that up there, it says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Let me tell you something. You're going to see this theme going on and on, and I want to encourage you that when we let the Lord lead our lives and we trust in him, others are going to see it. They're going to identify. They might not understand exactly where it's coming from or why, but let me just tell you right now, Potiphar, not a believer in God, saw the prosperity coming out of his hands. He knew there's something special about this guy. And so eventually what happens is Potiphar, a wise man, puts Joseph over his entire household, and he begins to see everything blessed. When we walk in blessing, those around us get blessed. Amen? Whether they believe in God or not, you know, it, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And I want to, excuse me, I want to encourage you this morning that we have to recognize that we're blessed if we're going to walk in it. When you go into work, 
when you're hanging out with your family, when you're with your friends, wherever you're at, if you're kind of, oh, I'm just going through the day, I'm just making it. If you're downcast, if you're not recognizing, if you're not joyful, I'm not talking about fake it till you make it. That's not from the Lord. That's definitely not a verse in the Bible. I'm talking about saying, you know what? I don't see it yet. I don't see the increase yet. I'm still not sure how these bills are going to get paid, but I am trusting in the Lord. I am walking in Him, and I am believing that, Father, you are going to do everything that you said you're going to do in my life, and that I didn't come this far for you to stop now. The Lord didn't bring me this far for Him to stop what He's doing in my life now. And so we have this big shift going on in Joseph. He humbles himself. And he starts to bring blessing into Potiphar's house. Uh, and then here's where things start to get wild. Is we have enter Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife, the Bible says, is a very attractive woman. And uh, it's also important to note, the Bible also points out that Joseph was a very attractive young man. They said he was very uh, good looking in appearance and in stature. And she starts to go after him. And it, I won't get into detail, but here, right here, she just is basically like, Joseph, sleep with me. Just constantly coming at him. And one day, she comes after him hard. And she is just like, you know, sleep with me. Just over and over again. She waited until all the men were out of the house to where basically no one is there. And I can only imagine Joseph, the scriptures say that one of the times that she's trying to tempt him, that he is like, how could I do such a wicked thing? Potiphar has entrusted me with everything in his household. He's held nothing back from me. How could I do such a thing? And what's going on there is that's also a type and shadow. Really what's going on is he's starting to discover that the Lord is entrusting great things to him, and if he's going to do well with it, unlike what happened with his gift of dream interpretation, he did not steward that well. He's got to walk upright, and he's got to walk in integrity before the Lord. Let me just tell you, there are going to come times, there has come many times in my life where I've had an opportunity to cut corners, to kind of take the fast track, and to move in different directions. And let me just tell you, there's no substitute for living an integrous life. And when you walk in integrity, you release the ability for the Lord to bring those blessings through you. It's hard to be a blessed life living and, and giving out blessings if you're not living an upright and integrous life before the Lord. And so what happens is he's like, no, this is not happening, over and over and over to Potiphar's wife. Finally, she's so aggressive with her advances towards him that he does what? He runs out of the house. And it says that she still has his garment in her hand. And let me just tell you right now, one of the things that the Lord showed me when studying for this is Joseph was exposed, but he was not uncovered. 
And what happens in our life when we get right with the Lord and when we run from temptation, what happens is, is our lives get exposed. Whether it's, Lord, take this pornography issue out of my life. Lord, take this gambling addiction out of my life. Lord, take, you know, what, insert whatever issue it is that you're trying to get out. You've got to confess it and let it out. You've got to expose yourself to the Lord. But you're not uncovered. The Father has you covered. He has you protected. And he has the grace upon your head. And so what happened is Joseph runs out of the house exposed but not uncovered. You know, he's, I can only imagine he's out busting out into some busy street, you know, with no clothes on or next to nothing on. You know, let me just tell you guys something. When your junk of your life is exposed for all to see, there's nothing the enemy can say to come against you. You know, that's what something Kevin always says. When you tell on yourself, there's nothing the devil can tell on you for. And so it's important. I, I want you to catch this so much because I've talked with so many young people, and I know it's not just for these, you know, a uh, handful of people, is when temptation comes against us, and it's never in a, it's rarely in a situation where we're like, oh, no, I don't want that. No, it's always enticing. Potiphar's wife wasn't some, you know, not so good looking lady, you know. She was very attractive. It temptation came in a very palatable form. And at some point Joseph is like, telling it to go away just isn't working. I've got to run in the opposite direction. We cannot accomplish what the Lord wants to do in our lives if we're just sort of playing around with temptation. If we're just kind of like, well, you know, I'll just make a few adjustments. You know, it's, it's no big deal. I got this. I got this. I got this. The best way you can get it is by giving up doing it in your own strength. Joseph did his best to be integrous, but he was kind of in his own strength about it. And eventually he's like, this ain't working. I am just booking it out of here, even if I lose my clothes in the process. And so what results is ultimately Potiphar's wife lies and says that uh, he attacked her in the home. Potiphar throws him in prison. And let me just uh, insert this little nugget here. Again, this isn't directly in the scriptures. But in that time, sleeping with another man's wife, especially an official in the government, that's an offense punishable by death. And he should have died. But because he was faithful to the Lord, because he was honoring, he did not get what, he, what the law said he deserved. And so... Joseph gets put into prison, and what's interesting is we don't see a whiny Joseph. We don't see a, Lord, why is this happening to me? No, we see a Joseph who is steadfast and who continues to serve the Lord, and a time and season will come in prison 
where he gets to interpret dreams. But let me just tell you this. Many of us, we think we're headed in a certain direction, and then the Lord switches it up, and we're like, what just happened? This is not where I was supposed to go. I wasn't supposed to move here. I wasn't supposed to take this job. I wasn't supposed to do this or this or this. Because you were so held on to this idea that you had or this thought process or this dream. But was the Lord really in control of your life? Because what happens is the detour in Joseph's life became the training. From that point on, he's enrolled in prison training school. Because it's in the prison that he will be trained up for where the Lord's going to take him next. But man, oh man, when you're in the midst of that, you do not think, wow, I mean, this is great. I'm in prison. Now I'm going to be trained up. No. I wanted to share with you when it comes to the topic of the detour becoming the training. You know, uh, I heard this great message by Graham Cook, if you've ever heard him before. And he gave this just really poignant analogy. In the world, when it comes to advancing places, when we want to climb the corporate ladder, when we want to do whatever, we always get this picture of a ladder. And I've got an effort. It's on my strength. And I go rung by rung by rung. I climb higher and higher and higher. And I don't turn back. I climb higher. But that's not how the kingdom is designed. What the kingdom structure of advancement looks like this. It looks like we start out in a valley and the Lord trains us up in the midst of that difficult season, that valley where we're pressed, and then he guides us up the mountain, the mountain of our lives. He guides us up, he prepares us, and then when we reach that peak of that position, we have to be careful to not camp out there and say, well, I've reached it, I'm here. Because this is just the beginning of something. Just like Joseph was in Potiphar's house, that he could have been like, this is awesome. I'm the, I'm the head servant over this, the captain of the guard here. It couldn't get any better. I was a slave before. Now I'm a servant. I, this is pretty good. I'm, I'm good right here. Well, the Lord's like, oh, no. I've got so much more for you. And I want to tell you, family, do not get comfortable and say, well, I've arrived The Lord has a mighty plan for you. And for many of you, he's saying, oh, no. I've got a lot more to do with you. And so what happens is we reach that peak, and then the Lord says, all right, promotion time. Time to go back down into the valley. Just look at the life of David. He got promoted to be a king. (laughs) But he didn't become king right away. In fact, he got chased around and people wanting to murder him. And, you know, I'm sure he's like, I did not sign up for this. And the same goes for Joseph. Joseph gets in prison and I'm sure he's like, I do not know what this is, but Lord, you've been faithful and I'm going to trust in you. And so in the midst of prison, he continues to serve the Lord faithfully. He gets an opportunity. The Lord gives him a new opportunity to use his gift the right way. We don't read about him interpreting dreams in Potiphar's house. Now, maybe he did, but most likely what happened is he didn't steward the gift well, 
And so the gift was kind of tucked away, and now the Lord's like, all right, you're ready to use the gift the way I want you to use it, the way I'm trusting you to use it. And so he interprets the dream of these two men in the prison, and the dreams come true. They, they fully come to pass the way that he said they would. And so several years go by. He, he asked the men, remember me when you, when you uh, the cupbearer specifically, remember me when you're restored to your position. And so in Genesis 41, verses 14 through 16, finally, Joseph gets the call up. It's been several years in prison. He's been faithful. He's, he has a lot of authority over a lot of the things in prison. I can't Go into all that, but it says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. Let me just tell you guys, when the Lord shifts us, he does it quickly. He didn't, they didn't bring him out a day at a time. They brought him out quickly out of the dungeon. Let me just tell you, for those of you who feel like, yeah, I'm in that prison spot right now. I'm in that place of obscurity. Let me just tell you, the Lord wants to train us in obscurity first before he trusts us to be out in the open. Oftentimes in the world, we think, man, if I could just have that awesome position, if I could just be a movie star, or I could be an elite athlete or whatever, I, just, I need to be in the spotlight. Let me just tell you, it is so much harder to learn and to be changed and transformed in the spotlight. Why? Because everyone sees what you're doing. Because you're being examined by so many. And so it's by the grace of the Lord that he takes each and every one of us and he brings us into a season of obscurity where we're wondering, what am I doing here? What is this all about? I, don't, I feel like no one sees me. I feel like no one recognizes what I'm doing. Kind of sounds like the... Uh, men that Joseph interpreted the dream for, and then they forgot about him. So often we wonder, what is this all about? But trust in the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on him, and he's going to get you quickly out of the dungeon. And it says, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Now, before I go on, that's important because I've always glossed over that, and, oh, okay, that's great, that's great, you got fixed up. You know, what happens is, is when the Lord takes us out of one season into a new season, he prepares us for that position. He's being clothed right. He's no longer a prisoner. Now he's going to be set up for a new high position in uh, the kingdom of Egypt. And so it says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret. And now I really want you to focus on verse 16. I know I'm kind of like hitting you with a lot of verses, but these are such key truths that the Lord just really wanted me to hammer home. Joseph's answer reveals the position of his heart, and it tells us the position of our heart in everything that we do, everything that we go through. It says, this is his reply to Pharaoh about interpreting this dream. He says, it is not in me God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. 
And I'm going to show you why that's so significant in a moment. Because when we skip down to Genesis 41, verse 37, he's interpreted the dream. He's given the wisdom to Pharaoh. And so it says, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Now, Pharaoh had already gone through all of his sorcerers, all of his soothsayers, all of his people that could interpret dreams. He had exhausted every resource he had available. And these are all people, by the way, who were worshipped, all the Egyptian gods were calling upon that interpretation from the gods of Egypt, and they've got nothing. And so what happens? He said, it, the, his cupbearer is like, hey, I know a guy. And so he pulls this Hebrew out of prison and is like, all right, I'm pretty desperate. I'm going to give you a shot. He says, I hear you interpret dreams. And so he says, no, I don't interpret dreams. He said, but the God in me does, and he wants to show you what he can do. Family, there are so many times where we have an opportunity to give others an encounter with the living God. Pharaoh had an encounter with the living God when he interpreted that dream. Why? Because all of his gods failed him. They were not able to give him an interpretation. He couldn't sleep. He kept having them over and over. And so what happens? Joseph doesn't say, hey, I can help you out. I interpret dreams. Because what's going to happen is he's going to totally miss the encounter with the Lord if he did that. He said, not me, but the God in me, in whom is the Spirit of God, is in me. We can't miss an opportunity. We need to be testifying. We need to be speaking to our family and friends. We need to be letting them know, hey, guys, guess what? I... I, I was at H-E-B the other day, and this lady was limping, and I prayed for her, and her leg got healed. Or, you know, I was at work the other day, and I told this person about where I went to church, and he came, and he got really rocked and touched by the Lord. Or, man, the Lord's just done such a transformative work in me that I just can't stop all the people that keep coming to me and saying, what happened to you? Who are you now? There are many people in this room that have that story that are like, I was this way, and now I am this way. I've been completely transformed by the Lord. We have to take an opportunity to give a power encounter. We have to take an opportunity to give testimony to what the Lord's doing in our life, and that's what Joseph was doing right there. When we honor the Lord, we let him do a work in us and through us, we give people that tangible encounter with God. Thirteen years. You can take that scripture down. Thirteen years is how long it took. Joseph was 17 when we started out with him. They say he's 30 by the time he ends up ruler over uh, Egypt, just under Pharaoh. Thirteen years to go from a shepherd to a slave to a servant leader, to a prisoner, to a ruler, and ultimately, you're going to find out here in a moment, to a redeemer. 
What can the Lord do in your life in that short period of time? Whew. I know that, man, I'm like, Lord, you know, what was that from the conference? Do a work in me equal to the calling on me. Lord, I want you to transform my life. If it takes 13 years, if it takes 30 years, if it takes 60 years, however long it takes, I want to get on that track. That's the track that I want to get on, the, the Joseph track. And, man, that is tough to say, well, I'm going to sign up. Shepherd, you know, it's, it was just like I said earlier. It's valley, peak, valley, peak. And then ultimately, the Lord positions him in this powerful place of authority. We move on to chapter 41, and now Joseph is the ruler over all of Egypt, just under Pharaoh, and he interprets the dream for Pharaoh, and this is what happens. is that In the dream, he interprets seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. All right? Why that's significant? Because now... They have an opportunity to plan and to prepare for those seven years of famine. And what that sets up is, one, is it sets up a huge blessing, unprecedented prosperity in Egypt, as well as a divine opportunity for Joseph to be in position to save his family from those seven years of famine. I want to tell you something right now. If Joseph had not resisted, those temptations and run, he would not be in a position to help his family now. There are things going on in the future. There are things coming up for you that the Lord wants to position you for, and you may not know what exactly it is that's coming, but if we don't get into position, if we don't trust in the Lord, if we don't run after him, then we're not going to be in the position we need to be in to help bring those people into deliverance, to bring our family into deliverance, to bring our friends into deliverance, to bring transformation to our workplace or wherever we're at, or, this, or the whole city, to the nation. And so he's in position. And the result is unprecedented prosperity in Egypt and for him to be ready to save his family. And so I'm just going to kind of go over a few quick things because I could just do a whole part two on this section. But what happens is, is Joseph desires to see redemption in his family. I can only imagine now he's been away 10 plus years separated from his family. He hasn't even met his youngest brother that he doesn't even know about at the time. They come looking for grain. They're sent looking for food because Egypt's the only game in town. Let me just tell you, when you listen to the Lord, it really positions you mightily, and it positioned Egypt in a mighty way. They were the only nation that really had any resources available during the famine. And so Joseph's family comes. They don't recognize him. He meets with them. He gives them grain. He gives them the money back because he starts to test them because he wants to know, is my family ready? He's ready. His heart's been changed. It's been shifted. He's been humble before the Lord. He wants to know, are they ready to be reconciled? Has their hearts changed since they sold me into slavery? You know, we can't bring transformation to our family if we hold unforgiveness in our heart. 
if you're in a spot where you're like, well, they got to do it first. I'm over here waiting for the apology. Let me just tell you, Joseph was not over there saying, well, they got to come crawling to me now. Now I'm the second in all of Egypt. I got the food. They got nothing. They're going to have to really do some begging. Yet again, he had an opportunity to get some revenge, to do some things. But Joseph said, no. That I, he is, his heart, he weeped. He was desperate for reconciliation with his family. Let me just tell you, God sent Jesus on the cross because he is desperate for reconciliation with his children. That blood was paid on the cross because he wants us reconciled to him. He wants each and every one of us to say, Lord, I want that price that you paid for me. I want to know you. And that's what was going on with Joseph because Joseph himself, if you look deeper, is a type and shadow of Jesus to come. And so Joseph tests his brothers to see if they're ready. And ultimately they come back and they're like, we cannot go before our father without Benjamin because he holds Benjamin back, and there's a whole thing there. It's quite a family drama. <laughs> and he just can't hold it back anymore. He weeps, he embraces his brothers, and he reveals who he is. And it's just this beautiful picture of how the Lord orchestrated something that was meant for evil and ultimately uh, is for his glory. Something happened to Joseph, captive camel ride from Canaan to Egypt. His entitlement, his pride, transformed to integrity and humility. How shapeable are we? How willing are we to run the race set before us? How willing are we to say, you know what, I'm going to lay down this pride. You know what, I'm going to lay down these offenses. I'm tired of walking in these mindsets and mentalities that are dividing me from those around me, that are holding me back. Family, we can't do that anymore. I, I know I can't do that anymore. I know every time I fall into that, I'm like, Lord, get me out of it quickly. Get me out of the dungeon quickly. Because I just can't afford to spend that much time in the dungeon. I need to be in the light with the Lord. We need to be in the light with the Lord. So I want to leave you with this. What are we going to do in this race set before us? Will we run from temptation? Will we run towards the Lord? Will we trust in Him? Why don't we put the Scripture in Hebrews back up, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to end us with this. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. People are watching us all the time, family. You may have no idea. People in the checkout line, at the grocery store, when we're in traffic, and we just decide to lay on that horn, guilty on that one, and uh, 
We've got people watching us at all times. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we fall into. We just cannot afford to hold on to offenses. We cannot afford to do it. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. It doesn't work. Then, when we let go of all those offenses, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, not with, oh, how are you doing today? I'm just I'm making it. The grace of the Lord, I'm making it. No, it's not like that. It's with passion, with determination. The path has already been marked out before us. You know, that's what's so great is this race that we're running, we're not running it on our own, and we're not running a path that has not been paved already. The Father's already gone before you. If you're like, oh my gosh, I just do not know about this thing coming up. I do not know what's coming, what's happening. Let me encourage you and tell you, He's already done it. He's already done the work. He's already gone ahead. He's already prepared what's going on. You're like, wow, I, I, I'm sp the Lord told me I'm supposed to start this business, but I don't have a penny to my name. How in the world am I supposed to start this business? I said, he's already done it. There is someone out there that wants to lend you that capital. There's someone out there that wants to give you that building. There's someone out there that wants to uh, help you with a business plan. Wherever it is, the Lord set up divine encounters and appointments. But if you're not looking, and if you're not grabbing hold, if you're not like, Lord, you told me to do this thing, so I'm gonna, I've got some expectations. I'm expecting you to go before me. And he says, no problem. I did it. I've gone before you. I've made, I've laid out the path before you. It's the verse I said on Wednesday, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He's all about setting the path up for us.